Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves. And okay, you guys, we're wrapping up Spicy October with a really exciting conversation with a couple of real heroes in our world. We're talking to Cress Fleming and Pinnacle Pet and Martha Bowden from SPCA Tampa Bay. Chris and Martha have teamed up in a really groundbreaking way to make lives better for dogs particularly adult dogs who need to be rehomed that are coming from the commercial kennel setting. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion can give you peace of mind knowing your pet is covered in the event of an unexpected accident or illness. Even better, Trupanion can pay your veterinarian directly and has no payout limits. So you'll never have to choose between what's best for your pet and what's best for your wallet. And if you're a breeder, you can join Trupanion's free breeder support program and get a special offer to share with your puppy buyers that waives all the waiting periods. So coverage goes into effect immediately. And when I was at the garden this summer, I was hanging out with Trupanion and I got a chance to catch up with Cindy She's a breeder who's a member of Trupanion's Breeder Support Program, and she shared the following testimonial with us. She said that Trupanion has been the best and saved me thousands of dollars. My puppy buyers love it, and I hope they always stick with it. A dog is never going to have an accident on payday. It's always when the money is tight. Cindy, you are dead on about that. So take a moment, guys. Sign up for Trupanion's free breeder support program now so you and your litters can be prepared for anything. Get started by heading over to my partner page, puredogtalk.com. I'm so excited, you guys. This is such a big deal, and I'm really thrilled to be joined by two such passionate people. So welcome, Chris. Welcome, Martha. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Happy to be here. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you, Martha. I know it's usually ladies first, but I love Chris's passion for this project. So I'm going to let him start it and we're going to let you follow it up. Okay. So, Chris, talk us through. Our listeners know none of this. Talk us through what you're doing, how you got to doing it, and why you're doing it. So I guess the real quick Reader's Digest version was I started from a place of we don't know what we didn't know. When I say we breeders, brokers, kind of folks in that commercial breeding space, for me, we thought we were doing good because we told each other that we were doing good. You know, I guess it really stems back to 2008. I had customers come up and they wanted to go see breeders and I thought that was odd, but sure, why not? And we went to a breeder's facility and I was embarrassed to take people to a facility and that's not the world I wanted to live in. And And so... That was in 2008. Correct. So all of the progress has been in the last 15 years. Yes. And really exponentially in the last, I would say five, 
that was the basis that started is I wanted to feel good about what we did. And I wanted our staff to be able to feel good about working with our logo and our brand. And that meant if somebody wanted to see what we did, we should be open about it. And that was really a slog. We started from ground zero and even things like how you take pictures and represent your kennel and your adults and your puppies was something that we had to teach. And so kind of working through that, treat your kennel like a business, take it serious, perception, you never get a second chance for that first impression, and just really kind of hammering and slogging away. And 2014, I got involved with Dr. Crony at Purdue University. For our listeners, Candace Crony has been on the show a couple times, and you'll remember we spoke to her about her canine care certified program, which Chris, I think is what you're going to talk about next. So I just want to link people Correct. back to previous conversations on that. Correct. Yeah. So she was really kind of innovative in that she had been doing some research in the commercial space and opened up the discussion to breeders and stakeholders because she firmly believed that it really doesn't matter what kind of standards you put together. If nobody will adhere to them, what's the purpose of them? And so she wanted stakeholder input. She wanted to understand all sides, not just animal welfare side, but commercial side. And that's where that grew. And so, like I said, that was, I think, 2015 really kind of working with her in that. Fast forwarding to COVID really upended the puppy and the dog side. The shelters were emptied out. It was for all of us. <laughs> Preservation oh, breeders, absolutely. rescue, commercial for everyone. It really just stirred up the pot. And and so you had how do you differentiate between somebody just getting in, somebody that is really an enthusiast, somebody that this is their passion. So I would say really, for me, I guess our real progress, I say five years, has probably been the past three of pulling up our sleeves, differentiate between people who are following a trend and really pushing and embracing the Canine Care Certified Standards Program, helping our breeders achieve those standards. And because of that affiliation, one of the things, you know, I was always very defensive of the folks we worked with and the breeders that we represented. And just, you know, I felt it was my job to go to bat for them. And to kind of go to war for him. And it was really through Dr. Crony and her team and like, you know, hey, there needs to be conversation from both sides. It's not all you. It's not all them. We need to get together because everybody has something to offer. And so she really kind of opened me up to that idea of collaboration. And, hey, I don't have all the answers. I'm really good at this spot. When I say this spot, I guess I'm really good in this quadrant of the circle. But we need the whole circle for animal welfare. In fact... I was talking to a person today, and it almost feels cliche between Martha and I's relationship now, but I've used the word serendipity so many times because everything that we've done in this past year and a half, it just, there's been so much that has just fallen into place from my first trip down there and staying relatively close to her house and us being able to, everything has been weirdly symbiotic. Chris, let me interrupt. Go ahead, for a second, because I want mm -hmm. to lay a foundation for folks. So number one, I'd like you to address a little bit about the benefits that you're seeing to the dogs within the commercial space that you work with from the Canine Care Certified Program. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to talk about For All Dogs, this pilot program specifically that you started and you're working with Martha on. Sure. So the benefits from the Canine Care it's data that has been just really kind of eye-opening for us. Looking at taking notes, breeders do everything from measuring humidity and air temperatures every day to 
stimulation or handling the pups that they deal with really puts in a more hands-on approach. What we're seeing is better socialized animals. We're seeing healthier moms. We're seeing when you're focused and attention to what they're doing, the happier mom makes a happier pup. You're having lower vet bills. And it feels we're saying this now because it feels like common sense. But it, now it's I can point to the science of this. So lower vet bills, happier, healthier moms and puppies, and being mindful of an appropriate retirement age, you also have a kennel that you're getting moms out of the kennel retired at an earlier age. The puppies that they're producing, there's more of them. It's better litter counts, lower veterinary bills. So from a business standpoint, it's lower costs, increased profits. And so from an animal welfare standpoint, it's happier dogs and kennel owners that are reporting enjoying the time in their kennel more. And so one would extrapolate from that, that the dogs are doing better in their homes because they are better socialized. Do you have any data on that? Because that's really interesting to me. That leads into the For All Dogs program. And it's a pilot program for us because we've ran a few of the retired adults from Canine Care Certified Kennels. But this For All Dogs program needs to offer up a trusted source for breeders that are looking for either canine care certification or at least achieve those standards and have a trusted retirement partner. Somebody that doesn't negatively market off of, I saved this puppy or I saved this dog. So the For All Dogs program gives them that. We've given them a, hey, trust me, I've done my research with Martha and her team. They're a trusted partner. They're not going to negatively talk about. And so in this pilot program, it lets us kind of see, okay, what do we need to make sure that the breeder focuses on for that transition into the home? What does the breeder need to focus on to go from kennel into home? And having that collaboration with somebody you trust allows us, one of the things we were really worried about when we started, because we started our nonprofit, A Dog's Dream, before I ever met Martha. And we were kind of focusing on turning on the microwave, you know, letting it be. Does that affect kennel dog? Give them household sounds, potty training. I mean, Vacuum. Kind of running through the gamut. Vacuum cleaner. <laughs> right. Yeah. And what we're finding with Martha was one of the really important things. A lot of that was really ancillary. But because we have a, now a trusted partner, it's like, hey, leash training. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of these dogs are going into urban area. For a kennel owner's mind, their kennel is set up. The dogs have free reign, free run, and they can lay and do as they want. A leash is very rarely used in some of these kennels. And it's they know their owner. They're sitting on a 10-acre property. So that is valuable information that within the first couple of dogs that we retired through the For All Dogs program, Martha's team talked to the, the Dog Stream team and was like, hey, first couple, let's really focus on leash training. <laughs> yeah. And that. so, and immediately, you know, we've seen a shift on, okay, now it's easier. Once we introduce leashes into the kennels and that trickles into the retirement program, now the folks who are coming to Martha's shelter, wanting a purebred dog, you know, there's that news article out there with the very first one that talked about with Betsy and Blue, her pug. Betsy, I think is 80s or 90s, but she's able to handle Blue and take her where she needs to go or house trainer because she's least trained. That was information that speaking to you now, it sounds like common sense, but we didn't know what we didn't know. Right. So we're already seeing, just with the few animals that we've put through this, we're already seeing benefits that are paying dividends. So Chris, I'd like to have Martha speak a little bit because Martha, the SPCA partnership with a commercial breeding facility feels 
counterintuitive. Like, wait, what? <laughs> right? So, <laughs> yep. uh, right? I and, get it. And I think that's part of why this is such a spicy month of October, not just a hoorah sort of conversation, because this is such an unexpected partnership. And I love this mm-hmm. story for that reason. So talk to our audience a little bit, Martha, about your specific experience with bringing in retired breeding animals from the commercial facilities, primarily purebreds, if I'm understanding, purebred dogs, and how that has interacted with your kennel space, with your staff, with your adopters, the whole package, because that feels like a big lift for you in your position. You know, I have a very unique situation here in Pinellas County, Florida. We're on the western coast, a bit west of the city of Tampa, and we're where all the cool beaches are. So when people come to Tampa, we know they're basically just going to Tampa so they can get to where we are. (laughs) Yes, yes. Excellent. And our Board of County Commissioners had the opportunity to ban retail pet sales back in the spring of 2022. And they took up the measure and they talked it through and they decided not to do that. And that meant that six puppy stores that were already operating in our community continued to operate. Mm -hmm. And I don't know of another shelter that is surrounded by as many stores literally within two miles of my main shelter campus. So I've got this 10 acre facility where I'm taking in 25 animals a day, Mm -hmm. all different kinds of species. And within a few miles of me are several puppy stores. Mm -hmm. So I got to thinking, okay, This retail sales ban didn't really go anywhere. What is a role that my organization can play to support the animals coming into this community? So I really didn't have any clear idea what that might be. And then serendipity struck, just like Chris said. We happened to be sitting at the same table. (laughs) I love serendipity. It's literally how I started this podcast. So it's like my favorite thing. Well, it was pure happenstance that we ended up at the same table at this conference. And I was so impressed that Chris would be in this room because it was a whole lot of animal welfare folks like myself. And again, somewhat unusual. And so I made an effort to reach out to him to just say, thank you for being here. I appreciate your courage. I appreciate your participation. And what do you do? Because I'd never heard of a puppy distributor before. I didn't really understand what the mechanics were of moving animals around between breeders and stores. And so I just learned from Chris about what was involved. And I was so struck in even that initial conversation about how much we had in common, because he talked about his passion for animals and his staff's passion for animals. And then he started describing the programs that they had put in place to help their breeders. And I thought, wow, so here's somebody who's kind of at this nexus, right? He's in this spot where he's dealing with hundreds of kennels and he's dealing with dozens of stores. I guess I don't really know the numbers, but a lot. And he's at this really interesting place where he can influence kind of the whole process because of what values his company lives by and operates by. Mm -hmm. And the more we talked, the more we just started finding out we had things in common. Oh, this personality. Oh, I know that one. Yes, I've had this challenge. Oh, you've been accused of this or you've tried to solve this issue this way. Like we just kept clicking. And finally I said, okay, I don't get what you're talking about. I need to come and see it. So I was on vacation in Arkansas and I got okay. my car and I drove to... Vacation in Arkansas. <laughs> Stopped me right there. You live yes. in Tampa Bay. Come on, man. <laughs> well, I have a friend who runs a program in Eureka Springs, which if you've never been to Eureka Springs, Arkansas, there are a million reasons to go. So I was in Eureka Springs and I said, you know, I'm not that far from this place that Chris is telling me about. So I'm just going to go visit. And I did. 
And I started to get a feeling for what a puppy distributor did. And then as we were having these conversations, Chris started talking to me about canine care certification. And I thought, wait a second, this is not something that my world has been talking about at all. Like, why are we not aware of this amazing thing that's happening at one of the best veterinary colleges in the country? Mm -hmm. And I realized, again, working through Chris, and getting a chance to learn that it was still kind of in its early stages at the point that my county was looking at this opportunity to possibly ban retail sales. They had only certified the first hundred kennels. So they really weren't ready to start shouting from the rooftops, hey, this is a great idea. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, okay, well, I want to understand more about it. I want to understand more about these standards. And I also want to understand because Chris is bringing animals into my community. He knows something because he provides puppies to two of those six stores. He knows something about the world I live in. And I thought, if there's an opportunity to partner with somebody who's this closely involved with animals that are coming into my community, I should figure out what it is. So first I visited Chris's operation and then he said, we need to understand you too, because my team doesn't understand your language. They don't understand your challenges. Let us come to you first, which I thought was incredibly gracious and kind. And so that's what happened. So Chris brought, I think his entire management team to Florida Mm. and we talked very frankly about, would there be an opportunity to partner and how it needed to be something that was a win for both of our organizations and all of the people that we touch. And we just started brainstorming about what that might look like. And the first thing that came out of my COO's mouth that I think made us all kind of stop in our tracks was she said, you keep talking about a good breeder. Well, I've never seen one because I don't get called in when a breeder's doing a great job. My team gets called in when it's a disaster. So forget any marketing that somebody might be doing. I've been there. I have walked through, you know, ammonia overwhelming facilities where, you know, there's all kinds of horrific things happening all around us. That is all I know. So Chris and your team, you're going to have to help me understand what a good breeder is. And that really just opened the floodgates. So we basically all agreed, all right, let's do Come on reports and I'll get to know each other. Mm. Let's figure out who we are and what language we use and how we might be able to work together. And so we went into it with a very open mind, but not a whole lot of preconceived notions other than this kind of idea that, hey, wait a second, the canine care certified standards do require an adoption pathway for retiring adults. And gosh, one thing we're actually pretty good at is placing adult dogs with individuals that you know want to move them into their home. So that started a year-long journey. First, I went back to Missouri with five or six of my team members, including two veterinarians. And we got a chance to see Chris's operation and visit several breeders. Then two more of my staff went up, then four more of my staff went up, then three of my staff. And then some of Chris's staff came down and asked us about questions. And it literally was just a year of exchanging ideas and figuring out how we could support each other and being struck over and over again by how much more we had in common than we had differences. And that I think is what convinced us that a step in this direction of working together and then sharing it with the public as challenging as this might be, it was really worth it because the power of our collaboration is just so immense. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew. I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofing. Getting yours today is super simple. 
just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on. You'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game. Owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck ninety-nine, you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, if you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. Okay, I have goosebumps because I feel like what's happening around our world right now, this is balm to the soul. Like I just took a big deep breath. Because I feel like if the SPCA and the commercial breeders can figure out a way to work together, we ought to be able to solve world peace. So <laughs> that's what I got. Yes. So I love that I, you say that because I have to say that there have been many times that both Chris and I and, and our team members have teared up going through this. Yeah. Because it does seem so <laughs> obvious and yet so incredible yeah, at the same that. time that we're, we're leaping over this chasm. Okay, so we're leaping over the chasm. What we're using as our, I want to use the right term, and I'm not coming up with one, but the golden child here is the females that are being retired from breeding at age five to six. Am I understanding that correctly? They are. And canine care, one of the standards is six litters or six years, whichever comes first. And you being a breeder, you know, one of the dogs we came with is being a pilot. I'm saying. You know, the pilot, I think we've had as young as, I think there was a Cavalier that I want to say she was around two, two and a half, but the breeder's like, she's just not a good mom or she's not the mom I want in my operation. So this was a very easy pathway to say, hey, I'll get her spayed and can you find a home for her? And Martha's team did. So yeah, it's a long answer to, yes, ma'am, five or six, but we've been trying all of them. And so Martha, talk a little bit, if you would, and Chris mentioned this to me when he and I spoke on background about the value to your facility of having available, well-socialized, raised up properly purebred dogs available for adoption. Speak to that from your perspective. So one of the things that we have known for decades in my profession is that if you have a great mix of animals on your adoption floor, you're just going to see higher traffic. It is exactly why Target and Walmart and you know Macy's have choice in their inventory because people want to come in and they want to think and they want to look around and they may come in thinking this is exactly what I want, but when they're faced with options and choices, it really helps them understand what's important to them. Mm-hmm. So we have a wonderful intake program that allows us to support thousands of animals coming in from the community every year. And as I mentioned before, we're a for-all shelter. That means we take in every species, every situation. We don't turn any animal away. 
We want to make sure that we're there to support people. But we also have a transfer program where we work with other shelters in the region that have less adoption traffic than we do. And they're doing great stuff, but they just don't have enough people coming to their campus to see the animals that they have available. So we've been transferring animals from other shelters, mostly dogs, but honestly, in the last few years, we've started transferring some cats and small animals too, just depending on what capacity we have. So that has been a program of ours, again, for some of that same reason, that it helps us add a mix of animals on our adoption floor. And when Chris and I started talking about the possibility of moving just a few dogs, and typically when we do a transfer from Pinnacle, it's one or two dogs. We're not bringing in a dozen. But what it does is it allows people who are looking at our website, because that's typically where people start their adoption journey, it allows them to see a more diverse mix of animals on our adoption floor. And that typically will bring people to our campus so that they can look at all the choices that are available. And maybe they are going to get that one that they saw on the website that came from Pinnacle, or maybe they're going to come in and that one's already gone, but there are three others that they really like. So from our perspective, this is a fantastic way to bring more people to our work. And honestly, I've always struggled with that judginess that comes from people being afraid to say, here's where I actually got my dog. I bought my dog. I didn't adopt it and rescue it. Right. I find that really problematic because I suspect that people who feel like they have to hide where they got their pet from are going to have a hard time jumping up and supporting my pet walk or making a gift during Day of Giving because they're just not sure what kind of reception they're going to get from me. And if my organization can embody the notion that we want to support all pet lovers, then I think all pet lovers, if we can open that door, are going to want to support animals in need. And we have lots of animals in need every day. So you may be a dog lover. You still want to help me get those rabbits adopted. Anything I can do to bring people to our work to open those doors, I think, is a win for everybody and particularly for the animals. And I think for me, that what you just said right there it's about the dogs. One of our very, very, very famous dog show judges made a statement the year she judged Best in Show at Westminster Kennel Club. She said, not all pets are show dogs, but all show dogs are pets. And I think that that is that commonality, that common place that has brought you and Chris together that I think can bring the preservation purebred dog community into understanding the passion that you guys share because it's about the dogs. We all came to our involvement because we love dogs and there's room for us to love different dogs as long as it's about the dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I, I would add that we have to include people in all of these equations Mm -hmm. that It is about the dogs and it's about the people who love them and making space for all of us to be kind and supportive. And maybe we challenge and maybe we have differences of opinion and we can work through those things together. But if we can create an environment where it's safe to be supportive of one another, we can get so much more done and we can do so much more good. Yes. And if you put at the center of this, it's about the dogs, then I think we get to a place like this where you guys are doing really amazing things for these dogs, working with the canine care certified program, finding adoption, finding good homes, helping the breeders in the commercial space better understand the things that they need to do to raise dogs 
that meet these criteria. And Chris, I was so touched by what you said about we didn't know what we didn't know. And I think that that to me here on Pure Dog Talk and a lot of the work that I've done is that a rising tide raises all boats. And I breed preservation dogs. I am a preservation breeder of purebred dogs. I am really passionate about that. I'm never not going to do that. But that doesn't mean that other people are not passionate about what they're doing and do not deserve at least the courtesy of respectful listening and hearing their side of the story. Absolutely. I mean, just some of the little instances. I mean, my veterinarians talk with Martha's veterinarians because we both do some herd management, you know, heartworm and in different things and how my doctors do surgery on pups because they're experts in that. The amount of information we've shared as far as transportation ideas and veterinary help and disinfect, I mean, holy, and like, that's the only sad part about this to me is it's 2023 and <laughs> this long, is that what you're trying to say, Chris? We're yeah. Keeping, yeah, we're keeping this from each other for that stinking long. I mean, I'm over here doing my thing and it just reinforces that I want other passionate people around me because I want to learn you know, there was a point, and again, it feels so odd saying this because it's now it's common knowledge, but 10 years ago, in 2008 and 2009, when we housed dogs, it was okay. The rules say I do four to a pin, and I have to keep them in socialized groups. And it's like, wait a minute, here's a crazy idea. If you give them a little more space, don't put four in a pin. Let's do two or three in a pin. Give them more space happier dogs have better immune systems health gets better and i had to figure that on my own that's asinine sorry but i do i just no you're fine i'd really love this idea and i think perception is the devil itself and everybody Um, has their preconceived notions and i had mine knocked out of my head when i interviewed craig curry a number of years ago listeners might remember This was another one of those spicy moments when I interviewed Craig, (laughs) who was very active with the Indiana commercial breeders. And he was the one who introduced to me the concept that the United States, by every estimate that anybody can identify, needs approximately eight to nine million replacement dogs every year. American Kennel Club, even just AKC, not even the Breeders of Merit, the American Kennel Club registers perhaps a million dogs. Where are the other six or seven million coming from, y'all? And that was such, just like you want to talk about mind blown, like, bing, (laughs) exploded my little pea brain. And it brought me to where I am today. And the fascination with some of these conversations and wanting to help carry this information forward. And so here's my shameless plug. All y'all's breeders need to be listening to Pure Dog Talk. I'm just saying there's a lot of information there. (laughs) Absolutely. Anyway. All right. Well, you guys, this has been a fabulous conversation. Listeners, we're going to have a whole bunch of links in the blog post and you'll be able to donate to Martha's work. You'll be able to read more about Chris's work. Anything that you'd like to be able to do to be involved to support what is really, truly one of the most beautifully innovative projects that I have seen in my time in dogs. So, Wow. 
Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. Can I put in another shameless plug? Please, shameless plugs all the way around. <laughs> on our website, on our For All Dogs pilot program page, there is a survey link. It is right now overrepresented, the responses by people who have adopted pets from shelters. And we really want to have as diverse a mix of people responding to our survey questions as possible. So I would love it if your listeners would jump onto that survey and share their thoughts because we'll make we're having such a fascinating, sometimes challenging conversation, but we would love to get more input. Challenging conversations are not bad if we approach them in a thoughtful and respectful way. That's how I feel about it. So the death threats, that doesn't Just, fit, right? Okay. Death threats are bad, and that would not fall into the category of thoughtful nor respectful. It's sad that we've got to say that, though. I know. I just think listeners out there, keep in mind, these people are doing really good work that's about the dogs and are receiving death threats from the animal rights organizations because they're doing good work, and that's really unfortunate. It is, but it also tells us the power of this opportunity. And it, is, it tells us the power of changing the conversation. Okay. Exactly. I, it is something I am in unbelievably passionate about. I was so excited to talk to you guys about this because changing the conversation at the level of people out in the general public is 1000% imperative for all of us and for all of our dogs. It's one of the great things about this. And, you know, Lauren, you and I talked about it a little bit. After a year and a half, I'm blessed to served in the Marine Corps and done a bunch of tough stuff. And I still get kind of choked up talking about this. But I would consider Martha not only somebody that I respect unbelievably, one of my dearest friends after a year and a half of just stuff to work together. And what's crazy is we're probably not in the same voting block. We're probably got difference of opinions on just about anything out there. But we found a care and a love for one another because we both love dogs and the amazing conversations that we found just with that one common space and the dignity to be human to one another. Just to, hey, you know what? I may not agree with what you say, but her and I, we hope we're changing the world on this because we both happen to love dogs. And I can't name a, it's very, very few people that I would put on that list of folks that I call that dear of a friend or someone that I respect to the level that I do or I'm humbled to know. And, you know, she's one of them. And we found this being nice. You not only sat and let the words flow, but let them come inside your soul. And I think that this is a much broader conversation now that we're having than just... (laughs) I have a great deal of respect for the work that you guys are doing, and I am thrilled to be able to share it with my people. And listeners, I really hope that you will take an opportunity to hear and not just listen. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. 
Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.